Good morning and welcome to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright with you for the morning and for the hour here. It's good to be with you on this Wednesday, April 6th. We're in the fourth month of the year, the sixth day of that month. And, uh, well, I'm excited. I'm excited for April. I'm excited for another morning here in our fifth week of Lent, even. It's hard to believe that... uh, This coming Sunday is going to be Palm Sunday. We're actually going to talk about that a little bit on the show today. So let's begin in prayer with our morning offering. And then if I could ask you to join me in offering a memorari, uh, asking the Blessed Mother for her intercession for a special intention this morning. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come before thee. I stand sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word Incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I mentioned before the prayer, we are in the fifth week of Lent. We are halfway through that fifth week of Lent, and next week is Holy Week. And so it is time to start getting ready. If we have not started already. It's time to start now. What do I mean by that? Well, some of it's logistical. Some of it is, you know, where are we going to mass? Beth and I were having that conversation last night in particular, where are we going to mass for Easter? And what are some of the other things? In fact, I had a friend say, oh, maybe we could play golf on Thursday. And I said, oh yeah, Thursday's weather looks like, oh wait, it will be Holy Thursday. We cannot play golf on Thursday. At least I cannot. And then Friday will be Good Friday, and it's a day of fasting and a day of abstinence. And so I want to plan that very carefully because I don't want to be a grump in my fasting. But that means I need to, I really need to be careful with what I plan that day. Now, the church in her wisdom tells us, you know, just to to make Good Friday a day that all we do is reflect upon the passion and death of our Lord. So if you happen to have Good Friday off from work, which I know even the stock market closes on Good Friday, and, and many people have Good Friday off from work. It's not a day to say, oh, I've got the day off. Let's fill it with all these things I've been wanting to do. No, it's meant to be a somber day of reflection. And spending the day in prayer is a good way to uh, really unite that fasting with the prayers of Holy Week because that's all you'll be focused on. And You know, it's really, I don't know about you, but when you're on Good Friday, before I got all of this, I tried to build something on Good Friday. So I'm fasting, I'm abstaining from meat, I haven't eaten enough to do a lot of physical exhortation, and yet I'm trying to do a lot of physical exhortation, and then I'm getting shaky, and it it was not a pretty picture. And my wife said, why would you try to do this on the day that you're fasting? Why? And she was right. So that's the logistical side of it. Can you get to Mass on Holy Thursday? Can you get to the service of the Lord's Passion on Good Friday? What time is your parish having that at? Are you going to make it a priority to be there? What Easter Mass are you going to? Are you going to the Easter Vigil? A quick aside, if you've never been to the Easter Vigil, I highly encourage you, go. It is 
beautiful. It's, you know, people say, well, it's long. Yeah, well, it is. But that's because there's a lot that happens. And that lot that happens is what makes it, quite frankly, so beautiful. So we are, uh, we're going to be going to the Easter Vigil, I think. So there's that. On the show today, though, we're going to start getting spiritually ready for the passion. Enough about the logistics. We're going to get spiritually ready for the passion. And so what does that mean? Well, that means that we're going to be hearing from Father Bernhard about Gethsemane and those Gethsemane moments in our lives. And then we're going to hear a little bit from Father Goring about our past sins and their relation to Calvary. And then we're going to hear from Monsignor Timothy Cronin from the Archdiocese of St. Louis about the, the word passion. You know, I've sometimes thought that's a funny word to talk about all this suffering is to talk about passion. And yet, here we are. So all of that and more on the show today. But before we get to any of that, let's go now to Mike Roberts for a check of the weather. Today is the feast day of St. John Baptiste de La Salle. Born in France in 1651, his father was a noble and a successful wine merchant. Deeply faithful from a young age, John received tonsure when he was 11 and by the age of just 16 was named Canon of Reims Cathedral. From there he began his journey into the priesthood, was ordained at 27, and then two years later received his doctorate in theology. While working with the Sisters of the Child Jesus to teach poor girls, he met Monsignor Adrian Nayel, who convinced John to work with him on starting a new school for poor boys. Initially, he did not like the work, but soon the Lord showed him how desperate the poor boys were, who in his words seemed so far from salvation in this world and the next. With the help of Monsignor Nial and an endowment, John founded the Institute of the Brothers of the Christian Schools, dedicated to educating the boys of poor families and leading them to a life of faith and service to others. Though he was successful, it was not easy, and there was great resentment, which caused him much suffering. Plus, Jansenism was a constant impediment as he tried to instill a love for the Eucharist among his students. He died on this day in 1719. St. John Baptiste de La Salle, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Wednesday morning. And as I mentioned today, we're going to start getting spiritually ready for Holy Week. Although you could say we've been doing that the entire season of Lent. Now, one of my favorite traditions in Holy Week is a week from tomorrow, Mass of the Lord's Supper, but then to go and make visits to our Lord at seven altars of repose. Now, if you've never been to Mass on Holy Thursday, after communion, instead of placing uh, the Blessed Sacrament, instead of placing our Lord in the tabernacle as per usual, our Lord is kept in the ciborium on the altar. In fact, when you, you come to church on Holy Thursday, the tabernacle will be empty. Our Lord will not be present in the tabernacle. And then, like I said, after communion, the remaining consecrated hosts containing the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord, truly our Lord will be in the ciborium on the altar, and then there will be a prayer, and then a procession throughout the church to the altar of repose. 
and then the church is kept open for a period of time not to go past midnight for the faithful to come and make a visit and to pray. And so many churches have beautifully decorated altars of repose, a fitting place to pray with our Lord, remembering the scripture, could you not stay awake with me but one hour, and how our Lord was kept company by the apostles in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so the tradition is you go to Mass, and then you visit the altar of repose where you went to Mass, and then you go to six other altars. Now, I've got a little formula I use from my hand missile for visits to the Blessed Sacrament. There are a couple of different options out there, but if you're looking for a prayer to pray while you make these visits, send me an email. I'll be happy to send you what I've got. Catequiz question for you today. Our catequiz question today is this. Going to a fortune teller is a sin against which commandment? Now, you might be saying it's a sin. Yes, it is a sin, and it's a sin against which commandment? Going to a fortune teller is a sin against which commandment? The answer is that it is a sin against the first commandment. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have strange gods before me. Following superstitions is also a sin against this commandment. So, you know, yesterday I logged on to my browser and the suggested web pages come up. And I don't know how the algorithms work for what they suggest because none of them have anything to do with anything that I ever visit. You know, go to this news site. I don't ever go to that news site or or go read this. I don't ever read that or anything related to that. Maybe, Maybe that's why it comes up is they're trying to get me to go where I don't go. And the first one that popped up was get your daily horoscope. And I said, I don't need a daily horoscope because God is God. And there's nothing on a piece of paper or online or somewhere else that's going to tell me that God is not in control, that my life is going to be this way because the horoscope said so or the fortune teller said so or the little piece of paper inside the cookie said so. God is God. And that's the most important thing to remember. And sometimes that's hard to remember. And sometimes that's hard to trust in, that God is God, and that at the end of the day, there's not much that Adam Wright's going to do to necessarily influence the, the world around me um, when things seem out of control. I, I was thinking about this. I mentioned last week that Beth and I were privileged to go hear We the Kingdom, uh, play a concert here in St. Louis, one of my favorite bands, one of our favorite bands, really. And we got to meet the band beforehand, and we were talking about one of their songs that's not out on an album yet, but we heard them play it live before and said, you know, you played this, and it has stuck with us. We were very graced that, you know, for whatever reason, Beth had her camera running. We got a video of it, and we said, we listen to that video all the time. It really really was a moving song, and they said, oh, well, good news. We're going to sing it tonight. And there's this line in the bridge, I may not know what the day may bring, but I know who brings the day. And that's an important one for us. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and this coming Sunday, we celebrate one of those liturgical days that has a long name, Palm Sunday of the Lord's Passion. And it's one that, you know, growing up, I always thought, Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday. Why? Because we have the palm branches, and we hear the gospel account of our Lord's triumphant entry into Jerusalem when they lay the palm branches down before him to make a way for him to enter into the city. And the part that I overlooked for a long period of my life was that last part of the Lord's Passion. And it wasn't until shortly after I was out of college. I was helping out with a youth group, and we were doing a service retreat called Christ Power, and the theme that year was passion. And I remember it vividly. All of the participants received these bright 
red shirts and right across the front in bold white letters, passion. And we talked a lot about our Lord's passion for us that week. Here to help us break open what that means, passion, especially in the context of Holy Week, we are happy to be joined by Monsignor Timothy Cronin, pastor of St. Mary Magdalene Parish in Brentwood. Monsignor, always good to have you with us on the show. Good to be with you. Thank you, Adam. You know, I think looking back to it, that was that retreat, Christ Power, was while you were at the seminary. So we were probably all running around so your backyard there, yes, exactly. with those red shirts saying passion. So, Monsignor, let's let's talk about this. I, I like to uh, define our terms sometimes, and I went to the the good old dictionary here. Because when I think of passion, I often think of that intense emotion, whether that's passionate love that a husband might have for a wife and and, and vice versa, or the passion that perhaps an athlete has for the game and exerts on the playing field, so on and so forth. And yet, right at the beginning, the first definition in Merriam-Webster, the sufferings of Christ between the night of the Last Supper and his death, and then the second definition closely linked to it, suffering. Very good. You know, we think about it that even liturgically, as you were saying before, we talk about the, most of us refer to the beginning of Holy Week as Palm Sunday, and yet it is the, it is the celebration of the passion uh, of the Lord on Palm Sunday, and as well as on Good Friday, we celebrate the commemoration of the Lord's passion. What does the word passion mean? Well, ultimately, just from the Latin word, from the, the past participle, it means, passus means to suffer. And so when our Lord um, embraces the cross, he is truly suffering for us. And when we have passion with someone else in their suffering, we call that compassion. Um, We're able to say that, or when we are patient with others, all those are the same root words, that we're able to join our sufferings to others, and ultimately Jesus perfectly suffers for us in his death. Now, this is one of those areas that always becomes a little bit of a mental exercise for me, thinking about Jesus' suffering. And this is one of the mysteries of the Incarnation that um, I never run out of things to meditate upon. Going to the readings we have on on Good Friday, and that we will hear on Palm Sunday of the account of the crucifixion, the, the bad thief saying, you know, if you're God, surely you could save yourself and us, or that idea that our Lord could with the the snap of his fingers or the blink of an eye or just the thought in his mind put an end to all of his suffering and come down off of the cross that surely he did not need to suffer and die. You know, I think about that, but one of the things that that leads me into is this idea of, you know, how can God suffer? He, he's God. He knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what this will achieve. And transcending time, he knows who will receive this and, and turn to him in not just that day on the cross, but in all of humanity. And yet he suffers. We hear of that agony in the garden. And I have to say, Monsignor, that is a mystery that to this day, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. I know that he did suffer, but still that question of how can God suffer? Right. You know, it goes back, of course, to Adam and Eve, and we recognize the reality of sin. And that once we sinned, and all of us who obviously received that sin um, that is transmitted to us, that we know that that could have been the end. So throughout the Old Testament, we know about um, God's plan in preparing us for what you just described there, the indescribable, that he would actually sacrifice his own son. 
Sacrifices were given. Animals were split open. The blood poured out. Moses, the lintel on the doorpost. All of those images we know. But obviously, they do not save us. They only lead us to that perfect sacrifice that Jesus makes, that he opens his, his self totally. And to think about that is uh, truly something for us to ponder in these, these days of, of Lent and Holy Week that are approaching, knowing our Lord's great gift. So how could a God suffer? I mean, it's the problem of evil, too, that if, if God is such a good God, why does this even exist? We know, ultimately, we are the cause, and our Lord obviously freely chooses to save us by the gift of his Son. Obviously, it's why we celebrate Christmas, why Jesus comes into our world, some of them, the Christmas hymns, you know, to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray, or tidings of comfort and joy, we sing, and we'll sing Hosanna on Palm Sunday, and then later say, crucify him, crucify him with the crowds, because we too have caused our God's death. One of the joyful aspects of this is we know that the suffering is not in vain. It's not suffering for no reason. Um, there is redemption that comes from this suffering. I think of the, the great letter from St. John Paul II, Salvifici Dolores. I go back to it often on the, on the Christian meaning of human suffering. And it reminds me of some words I heard Father James Mason reflect upon recently, talking about Psalm 22 and Psalm 88, and I believe it was towards the end of Psalm 88, in this prefigurement of our our Lord's suffering and of his passion, uh, the psalmist writes, darkness is my only companion. And the words that Father Mason offered were that, you know, what we take away from that, who then is there in the darkness, in in the worst of the suffering? Only Jesus. You know, so that when we think we are going through the worst moments of our life where we are suffering in a way that we have never suffered before and and perhaps our friends don't understand as compassionate as they are or even our loved ones don't understand, we're still not alone that our Lord took upon the suffering himself and he is right there with us. And that, that is when you talk about comfort and joy, something that we can take comfort in as we reflect on Holy Week. Right. A redemptive suffering is a beautiful teaching of our church. You know, uh, many of our evangelical brothers and sisters display the cross without the corpus because they don't really want to reflect on that. I mean, obviously, the resurrection indeed um, is our goal to join our Lord and his triumph over death. But ultimately, you and I are called, as Jesus said, to take up our cross daily, and we do that in whatever ways he gives them to him. Some of them, unfortunately, we cause ourselves, (laughs) or some of the crosses we take on that really our Lord says, I'm not really asking you to do that. But there are some crosses that we know that he does ask us to take on, and we join him, imperfect as we are, to his perfect sacrifice, his perfect cross. And um, even right now, in in the midst of Lent here, I'm sure many of us are doing penances. Why? Because we unite ourselves to the cross of Jesus and know that um, in some ways we are saying, Lord, I love you, and I thank you for what you've done for me. Um, it's a great gift that we can give to him. Again, whether we are, there's some I'm sure right now who are been suffering tremendously, have heavy burdens that they carry. Um, whether the crosses are small or whether they're large, um, when they're all united to the Lord, um, what a great gift they, they are back to God. As we conclude here, I would like to ask you, you know, you've been a pastor and a priest for many years. Uh, we've really been doing our penances all Lent. We're getting ready. I mean, really, all of Lent is a preparatory exercise to reflect and celebrate the mysteries, the Paschal mystery, and in the days of Holy Week. 
I wonder what are some thoughts as we go into this final push here on how we can reflect on our Lord's passion and really take our prayer, I, I suppose, to the next level or take it to a deeper place this year? Well, first and foremost, I would encourage everyone to receive the sacrament of penance, to uh, go to the Lord humbly and confess your sins. If you haven't made yet a good confession before Easter, to do that. I know we at St. Mary Magdalene are actually having uh, confessions available on Tuesday evening of Holy Week from 6 to 9 p.m. with uh, three priests or five priests are available. But I think ultimately we start back what Jesus taught us in the beginning on those first day of Lent at Ash Wednesday. What do we hear? The three disciplines, the three ways to holiness are through prayer and penance and works of charity, almsgiving. And so that we can just give the Lord time by contemplating uh, his passion, by spending some quiet time. Maybe it's, again, a prayerful praying the stations of the cross, meditating on one of the, the readings of, of the Lord's passion from the Gospels, um, simply preparing oneself to recognize again that um, what our Lord has done for us is for you and for me, um, not just anonymous humanity, but truly for us. There is an old custom that sadly has disappeared in recent years. Some places it's still observed, and that is of taking the day off on Good Friday and not for a day of, oh, we'll get ready for Easter and have a little relaxation and have a a longer weekend here, but really as a day to accompany our Lord, to be compassionate, um, to quiet ourselves. What are some good practices if we are able to take Good Friday off as a day to be with our Lord? Good. I know um, many parishes, ours included, offers morning prayer uh, to gather with others, the, the, the official prayer of the church as she prays, to be able to spend some time in quiet prayer, even though, um, again, there is a, uh, the world is still about doing its business, but as you say, we can make a choice to literally quiet ourselves in your own homes, maybe a little place where you just have some a place of quiet, or again, going to church to spend some time with the Lord, making time to be able to, to celebrate um, with the, the, uh, the faithful, the, the Lord's Passion on Good Friday. Um, many parishes have a, choices both in the afternoon and the evening. I just encourage everyone to, um, especially our catechumens and candidates, as they know, as they're preparing, they're asked to quiet themselves too to prepare for the Easter sacraments. May we who have already been baptized and confirmed do the same thing. And finally, there is a joy each and every year that I'm able to do this of attending as many of the liturgies of Holy Week as we can, not to look at them as separate and isolated things, that that Holy Thursday Mass of the Lord's Supper is one thing and Good Friday is another thing and Easter Vigil is a a third, but really that these all kind of string together in their way. And I would imagine that that holds true. We should, if we're able to, endeavor to go to as many of the liturgical services of Holy Week as possible. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. Monsignor, could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer? I sure will. And I'd like to conclude with uh, words from uh, Venerable Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, one of his meditations on the Station of the Cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I know, dear Lord, how crosses are made. Thy will is the vertical bar. My will is the horizontal bar. When I place my will against thy will, I make a cross. Up to this point, dear Jesus, I have done nothing but fashion crosses by disobeying thy holy law and asserting my own selfish desire. Grant that I may make thee no more crosses, but henceforth may place the bar of my will alongside the bar of thy will and make a yoke that will always be sweet and a burden that will always be light. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and we're going to take a quick break here. Stay tuned for more. We are midway through the week, and that means it is time for another Daily Dose of Encouragement with Patty Schneier. And this week we are talking about the Holy Spirit. And Patty, I remember from yesterday, Wukpuff, wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, piety, fortitude, fear of the Lord. So what do you have for us today? (laughs) Well, again, we are talking about the Holy Spirit, how important it is to call on the Holy Spirit, tap into the anointing, the gifts that have been given to us, every spiritual blessing, say, come Holy Spirit, throughout the day, memorize the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But then do we also know that there are fruits of the Holy Spirit? And again, how do we memorize these? How can we make this our own? How can these words be on our lips and in our heart and there for us when we need them? So yesterday I gave you that crazy word, puff. But again, it helped me as an adult to learn the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How did I learn the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Well, I want to share with you how I learned the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It was a children's song, a Bible children's song from a CD back in the day when we listened to CDs from Steve Green, where he took words of scripture and had children sing these songs. And my kids, we love to listen to them in the car. So these were called Hide Them in Your Heart songs. They were by Steve Green. And there was a song called The Fruit of the Spirit. So bear with me. I'm going to sing this song for you, but it's how I memorized the fruit of the Spirit. So here's how it goes. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how I learned them. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how I memorized it, by singing it over and over like a little kid in my car. And it has stuck with me as an adult. So I'm going to sing it to you one more time. And I actually hope that this song gets stuck in your head today. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, there's more to the song, but that's all you need to know for today. (laughs) So everybody, I hope you're singing this song, The Fruit of the Spirit. Memorize them so, again, you'll know the gifts, the fruits, the power of the Holy Spirit and start tapping into them more often. When you need self-control, pray to the Holy Spirit for self-control. When you need love, joy, peace, kindness, whatever it is, pray to the Holy Spirit for it. It's there for the asking. Okay, I want to sing this song for you one more time, and we are going to add some snaps. So I want everybody to snap along with me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Patty, this is wonderful, and it's always a treat to hear you sing. Thank you for another daily dose of encouragement. We are back, and a few things we want to let you know this morning. Uh, Number one, coming up Friday of this week, April 8th, for those of you in the Washington, Missouri area, the St. Francis Borgia Catholic Church Choir uh, will be presenting a choral way of the cross, choral prayer of the Stations of the Cross. Again, that's Friday Friday, April 8th at 7 p.m., St. Francis Borgia Catholic Church in Washington, Missouri, 
a musical Way of the Cross choral prayer of the Stations of the Cross. Coming up in May, it's kind of a way off, but registrations are open now. The Knights of Columbus uh, Fisher House Benefit Golf Tournament. It's a four-person scramble on May 14th, 2022. For more information, you can contact uh, Knights of Columbus Council 3586-3586 or go to KOFC. 3586.org. That's K of C 3586.org. And then, of course, coming up in May, and registration is open now, the St. Louis Marion Conference, uh, May 13th through 15th. It's, I think, personally, speaking on my own behalf, a wonderful conference. I look forward to going. Father Donald Calloway, Father Stephen Imbrado, Father Wade Menezes, Father Charles Beckert, Sister Deidre Byrne, John Carpenter, and our own beloved Monsignor Eugene Morris will be speaking, as well as music by Annie Cardo and Matthew Bowdy. Um, I've known Matthew for years, fantastic musician as well. It's the 23rd annual St. Louis Marian Conference. More information, including registration, is available at stlmc.org. That's stlmc.org. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I want to thank Monsignor Cronin for being with us today and Father Gorian and Father Bernhardt for allowing us to share their words with you. Uh, friends, we'll be back with you Friday morning for the Roadmap Roundup. Until then, keep going with your Lenten sacrifices. This is the time to really focus intensely, as we've said multiple times today, so don't let up. And when you need a little extra help, pray for the grace. Pray for the grace. Ask God for the help that you need. For all of us here at Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thank you for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Be sure to check out the podcast if you'd like to hear the show again. Until next time, pray your rosary today.